it. That's a half volley through mid on for four. Jeffrey Bolter, 100-100, the place to get it here on his home ground at Heavenly. Got it! Got it! Well deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Got him! What a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom. Welcome to Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club. I'm Tim Breslin, and as ever, I am joined by my co-host Richard Pyra. Rich, how are you doing, mate? Back in training, I see. Um, how's it with all the restrictions? Yeah, good to be back in, Brez. Uh, arms a bit sore, I ain't thrown for for a while, but uh, good to be back in. Very strange with the restrictions, to be honest. We've got his own balls. The bowlers are bowling their own balls. I'm not allowed to touch theirs. They're not allowed to touch my balls. So As it should be, mate. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's good to be back in. And uh, lads, are, lads are thrilled to be back. So good, um, good. All good. What have you been up to? I see you've built a bar, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so over the last sort of six weeks, I've been just tinkering, put together a bar just to display my stumps mainly. But then there's a, there's a company... Uh, off the grid that are going to put a nice oak top on it for me and tidy it up a little bit, uh, sand out all my mistakes and give it a nice paint job. So looking like forward it. to that coming back here. Yeah. And they're, they're doing me a gin rack as well. Happy days. Might get some declaration in there. Just to be honest, we don't play cricket this year then. You could have put a couple <laughs> of stone on by, by the time we're back. <laughs> Not on gin, mate. <laughs> calories. Calories. Good on gin. Uh, anyway, who's our guest, Rich? Right, this week, excited about this week's guest. Uh, he's played 568 professional games, 82 tests, scoring at 1800s. He's captain 51 tests and become England's most successful captain with 28, 26 wins, including the famous 2005 Ashes. Uh, he retired in 2009 and has become a successful commentator and he's a mentor to most of us at Yorkshire now. And randomly also appeared on Strictly Come Dancing in 2012. Not too sure what that's about, but delighted to welcome uh, Michael Vaughan. Vaughan, good to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm all right, lads. Evening. How are you? Evening. I should have won that. Um, got robbed, but there you go. That's another story. To be um, honest, I Brezzy, didn't watch you, but... Well, Brezzy, how are you getting on more importantly? A few, few weeks in lockdown, not training. How are you looking? <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm fit. I like the way that what you've done with the angle of the camera, it's kind of looking up towards you, isn't it? So we can't really get a side-on vision of you. <laughs> can, just, can we do would a... Would you like me to stand up? Yeah, yeah can so I do a side-on profile? Let's have a look. Hang on, I'll, uh, I'll push you, the camera you know, back. If you notice me as well, he's got his microphone, he'll, uh, he's tied in his second chin. <laughs> <laughs> Lick right. Yeah, not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Not bad. I'll tell you what, I've seen you worse. I've been doing I've been on bike, and I? I've been on bike. Yeah. Now at house and that. yeah, well, that's important. I think uh, you might need the wind behind you when you get, <laughs> when you get to have a ball. <laughs> to be fair, though, if it were into you, all your hair would blow off, all the rest of it. Hey, steady it? on, steady on. We're only a minute in, you mentioned the barnet. Well, you right, just mine now. You just call well, me squirrels. Well, yeah, the squirrel's gone. That squirrel that used to uh, be stuck on my head, that disappeared a few years ago. I've now got proper hair. Well, um, that's, that's one yeah. of my questions for later. So, uh, I've got it. Yeah, I've got, don't need one of those stick-ons on it. Bit of oil, few tablets, nice shampoo. You know what? You end up with a it like this. I like it. <laughs> so it's a long forehead now, though, V. Yeah, it's long. It's always going to be there. That I can't get rid of the forehead. I mean, yeah. you know, you're born with that, aren't you? 
you're, you're, you're born ginger as well, Richard, and we're not going to mention that. <laughs> anyway, I'll take it for forward of change it. how you're born, can you, Braz? Big lad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was looking forward to this, but then, you know, first couple of minutes, uh, not so much. Anyway, we've got we've got some questions for you as you swig away on a nice Italian, what was it? Vino. Garvey. Gavin, Gavin, nice I've Garvey. never heard of it. it. Must be expensive. Can I? Can I? Can I? Are these, are these uh, pre, are they questions from you two, or are they actually from other people? Have you actually done any work, you two, other than just rock up and read other person people's questions? <laughs> no. What have you done? No, <laughs> no. we're just reading it off a piece of paper. <laughs> like I've done that for twelve years in broadcasting, got away with it. You've got a career, you two. <laughs> correct, exactly. Why have a dog about your selfie? Yeah, correct. I am with you. Carry on. Delegation. <laughs> It's not declaration, it's delegation these days, mate. <laughs> right, here we go. First question. Well, it's not a question, really. We just do it with all our guests uh, here at Covers Off. We just basically say, tell us your background story, how you got into cricket, uh, earliest cricket in memories, and, uh, you know, take it away, really. Oh, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm on a Yorkie podcast, but I, I was born in Manchester, uh, moved to Sheffield when I was nine. Didn't play any cricket at all, really, apart from in the garden in Manchester. When I got to Sheffield, my brother went down to Aberdell Park Sports Club. After a few weeks, he kind of dragged me. I was into football then. You've, you've seen me play football, lads. You saw how good I was playing for Yorkshire. But I was at Sheffield Wednesday within a year of being in Sheffield. Uh, so my ambition was to be a footballer. Followed my brother down to Aberdell Park. Within a few weeks, Jack Bethel, the coach down there, brilliant coach, uh, sent me to a Yorkshire under-11s trial at Woodhouse Grove, uh, the school in, in Bradford. And I got in. I got into the under-11s. I'd only played, I think, one, uh, you know, one of those eight-a-side games at Aberdell Park, batting in pairs. Got in the under-11s, um, batted number eight, I think, bowled a bit of cheeky outswing, uh, about 60 miles. Pretty similar to you, Brezzy. That's how I started. <laughs> Pretty similar to you. Wasn't, by any, any stretch of the imaginations, the, the best in, in the, the schoolboy team. Uh, 11 them, 12s. When I got to 13, I was still at Sheffield Wednesday. Easter week was a, a trial week for the year after kind of intake to the academy. Um, guy there, Clive Baker, was the academy coach. Says, "What we're going to do? This we start the week with fifty. We're going to wickle it down for twenty by Friday." Uh, I didn't make the Tuesday. Uh, I got kicked out Monday. Got in my mum's car. Mum just looked at me and went, "You know, I've been trying to tell you for a couple of years that football's not for you. You're better at cricket." So I thought, "Okay, I'll, I'll take cricket a little bit more serious." Uh, because I wasn't allowed to play for Yorkshire back then, I was travelling to Northants for Nets on a Saturday morning. I was travelling to Lancashire for Nets on a Tuesday night. And then it got to the probably age of 14, 15, when Steve Oldham, Doug Padgett uh, were heavily involved with the Yorkshire uh, professional squad. Chris Hassel was the chief exec. Uh, he'd come from Lancashire and they started saying, well, it, it's silly really because Michael had played all his cricket in Yorkshire, taught everything about the game in Yorkshire. It, it's silly that we're going to let a, a player uh, go and join Northants or, or, or to Lancashire when really he's been a Yorkshire boy playing with all the Yorkshire lads since the age of uh, 10 years of, of age. So I signed as a 16-year-old on the academy. I actually was the first to sign as a non-Yorkshire-born player. Uh, and Craig McDermott had signed as the overseas, but then he was replaced in, uh, by someone called Sachin Tendulkar. So Sachin obviously was the first overseas to play. Then they signed Richard Stemp, left-arm spinner from Worcester. And and that's it, really. I joined the academy. My best years, I mean, I don't know what you're like, Brez, uh, Rich, but my best years playing the game, now I'm 46 years of age looking back, 
you know, most people want to talk about my England career. My best time playing, I'm not just saying it because I'm on the Yorkie podcast, is probably the age of around 18 to 22. When I was in and out of the academy, second team, then made my first team debut, going on pre-season tours to Anguilla, Zimbabwe, Botswana, being chased by baboons uh, in Botswana on a David Bias fitness training session. <laughs> the um, best ones you can have there. Getting on the buses and... Oh, tra- traveling with Richard Richardson as a young kid, 19 years of age, that maroon Mercedes picking me up at Junction 36 on the M1 to be tr- you know, driven by Richard Richardson with his Oakley sunglasses on to all the grounds. Being told off by Doug Padgett and Martin Moxon endlessly for practicing my square cut in the, on the morning with Richard Rich rather than actually practicing normal <laughs> batting. <laughs> Nothing uh, changes, I think. Or, no, I, I, yeah, probably not, no, but no, they were great times. And that's really how I, 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 I was never... I'm not, I'm, you know, when I was probably younger, I was not obsessed with cricket. I was obsessed with sport, obsessed with football, tennis, golf. Uh, and I reckon over the last, particularly since I've retired, I've realised how, how great a game cricket is. As much as we all love golf, football, um, cricket for me is my passion. You know, and it probably took me 10 or 15 years to realise it, it really was my passion. Playing the game, watching the game, studying the game. But I have to say those early years and some of the things that we used to get up to, I, I look back now and I look at the modern professional sports person, particularly a modern professional cricketer, uh, they haven't lived compared yeah. to what happened back in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, saw, I saw a few photos uh, last week, Ray, that you put on from one of your pre-season trips. I think yeah. uh, Gav shared it. And, I, you know, times have changed so much since then. We, we go on pre-season tour and the lads are so professional. All the young lads don't drink, teetotal, in the gym every day. Like, times change completely from when you were growing up on academy, second team cricket, to where it is now. It's a completely different game, isn't it? Well, it is. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I, there's no way I'm going to sit here and tell you that what happened back in the early 90s was right. It wasn't. Um, but I, I look at the game now and think that sometimes players can take it too serious and do too much yeah. of the professional stuff. And, you know, there's a fine balance. You've got to have that time and switch to, to get away from the game. Uh, but I look back at that, that four-year period, 18 to 22, some of the states that we used to get in and, and to think that we actually played. Yeah. You know, it, it was ridiculous. You know, it really was. Some of the Saturday night clubs that we used to have before a Sunday league game, no wonder I couldn't play white ball cricket. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Some of the, I remember my first week actually at Old Trafford. We had a, a Saturday night club, and we all had to uh, get our togas on, and it was in the Bowden Hotel in uh, Cheshire. And I always remember it because Richie Richardson dressed in a toga outfit, walking down the steps in front of a, a load of guests who were at the wedding at the hotel. We we're going into this small room by the wedding, and then Barry Wood was involved. Barry Wood was there with Steve Alden. They were good pals and all the team. And we had to uh, do drinking games. Uh, there was a, a table full of just half of lagers, which all had to go by the end of the fines meeting. And looking, Wood was being sick in a bucket. I joined him about half an hour later. Uh, and the next day, you're playing in front of 15,000 Lancastrians, abusing you on that boundary <laughs> edge. It's like, <laughs> no wonder I couldn't hit a white ball on a Sunday. But, you know, I look back and think, would I change it? No. Uh, was it right? No. It wasn't professional. But I just think it was the, the, the times and the days that we were playing cricket back in uh, those early 90s. Every single team was doing exactly the same. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, we, we just caught the end of that, Brez, didn't we, when we first yeah. started around 2002, 2004, somewhere around there. We just caught the end of it when, when Buffer was coming to his end with, with Yorkshire. But it's, um, 
you can't beat those times because you, in the bar you ended up talking cricket to senior players. You learned so much talking from, from the, you know, when do you ever get a t- chance to sit down with Darren Lehman as a young player and, and talk in the bar like that? And I think that, that that's missing a little bit now. Um, you know, the professional as it is, you don't get to talk cricket in the bar and they're off straight to the bed and playing on the Playstations and stuff like that. So you're right, I think there is a balance with it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I have more affiliation. I mean, again, people will think I'm talking nonsense here, but I'm not. I have more affiliation with that first initial six years of my career, the players that I played with, than I did with my England team. Yeah. You know, the 05 team, obviously everyone knows the majority of them and, and what, what we achieved. But, you know, those first six years when you're setting your foundation for the game, you know, Peter Hartley, Richard Blakey, Mark Robinson, Martin Moxon, David Bias, you know, yeah. the, the late Phil Carrick w- was a great, great mentor to me. Doug Padgett as a coach. You know, Gavin Hamilton, Anthony McGrath, Chris Silverwood, Hoggy. You know, all, you know, real good close mates. Because you, you end up on a county thing, you, you're inside each other's pockets pretty much for seven months. Yeah. You know, as an England player, now you are. But back in the time that I played for England, you know, you only went on one winter tour. You had a little bit more time off. Uh, particularly if you're only playing one format of the game, you got time away from the team. You know, I look at England players now and I go away and commentate, obviously. And then I come home, you know, I try and get away from the game. And then I look on the telly and, and they're still there about six weeks later. I'm going, how are they still there? <laughs> you know, yeah. It just keeps going and going for the players these days, which I don't think that's healthy. I think that's something that maybe this will bring a, a different look in terms of how the game looks going forward. Yeah. Uh, I think scheduling for first class cricket for the international game, it, it's madness. You know, the amount of cricket that everyone plays. But. You know, I just uh, remember back in those early 90s, you know, the, the, we didn't go on team buses. I mean, again, when did that come in? Around 2001, 2002? Yeah. Yeah. We, we never got on a team bus. Yeah, we used to just get on, you know, someone would pick you up, I'd get dropped off or I'd leave my car somewhere and, you know, you'd get to the grounds. The amount of times that people were late, you know, it was great for the fines committee and the, and the old uh, coffers for the end of season party. Um, but just different times, you know, as I said, there's a, there's a lot back then that wasn't right, but there's a lot that was right, and there's a lot now that is right, and there's a lot now that I'd say probably is a bit over the top. No, we agree. Like, uh, we've spoken on this pod previously, haven't we, Rich, about um, the sort of closeness that you can get from a group of lads that have played together since they were 11, 12 year old. And we sort of had that when we won the back-to-back championships. Um, mm. Like myself, Gailey, uh, Rich, like all the blocks that had come through that sort of that era together played a hell of a lot of cricket, whether it be, you know, age group stuff or through the academy, second team. Um, and to win it with those guys, yeah, that's it gives you a certain, you know, level of pride as well, you know, and look around and you can really celebrate as a team. You know, because you've been a team for so long and to actually finally achieve what you've achieved together, it's, it just feels better, doesn't it? Yeah, and that'll never go away. I mean... You know, Rich is obviously coaching. You're still, you're still hanging on, playing a bit, aren't you, Brezzy? <laughs> hanging on, hanging on, just for a bit longer. But it won't be for, until probably five or six years after you finish that you realise how special those those kind of groups are that you play with. And as I said, it, in an England team, you win an Ashes series, but it's seven weeks really in Ashes, and it's yeah. only five matches. You know, when you win a championship, you're in each other's pockets probably from the start of February right through to September. And the amounts of strains and stresses that go through winning a championship, it, it's, it's, it's not easy for me to say it's harder than winning an Ashes. It can't be. But, you know, it, in terms of the, uh, the emotional side and, and the stresses and strains, it's such a longer period of time that you do get that bond. 
Yeah. And as I said, my, my closest bonds are all with the, the Yorkshire players that I play Matthew Wood, you know, winning the title with Woody yeah. back in the early 2000s. And, you know, you, you meet these guys again. I mean, I've not seen them a lot at all, but it's when you do see them, there's that, there's that collective bond straight away that you just know that you've, you've all kind of seen each other through the, through the, the early stages, bit of the dark stages, obviously yeah. some glory times as well. And that connection just stays with you forever. Definitely. So, V, um, just we're talking a bit about cricket and your cricket. Just looking at some stats earlier and your test record compared to your championship record, quite a big difference there. Like your test record is a lot better, which you know, you is it? I think you were averaging mid 30s for championship cricket or early 30s. Yeah. And then test cricket, you're averaging 40 odd. So, mm. with, with my coach's head on, and it looked as though the England picture on bit more of a temperament rather than the stats. So, do you think that's right? You know, in international cricket, you do love to look at your temperament sometimes rather than just talent. Oh, I think it's. Well, I got lucky in, in the late nineties. You know, we've got to be honest. In, in those times, England were poor. Um, Ninety nine, they lost to New Zealand. Duncan Fletcher came in as coach. I played nicely against Glamorgan when he was coach of Glamorgan. I think in ninety eight, I got thirty odd. But he obviously saw something that he liked. Yeah. Um, Losing to New Zealand, clearly they wanted to go in a different direction. Things had not been good for English cricket. And that first tour that I went on, Gav Hamilton was on it, Chris Adams, Darren Maddy, uh, Andrew Flintoff. Sure, there was others. Maybe Hoggy came on it as well, I can't remember. But there was a lot of younger players that were picked purely because England had been so poor. Would I have got picked in this era? I don't think so. I honestly don't. That's that's the truth because I think there's a lot more data and information that are used more now yeah. than certainly was back in the nineties. You know, and I think back in the nineties it was worth England taking gamble because they were yeah. they were getting beaten by Australia. They were losing a lot of big series. They weren't really progressing as quick as necessarily they would have liked. Um, so I I got lucky in terms of the era that I played for that reason. Also, I mean, you look at that first class average that I had at Yorkshire. You know, the pack players back in this. You know, there wasn't the desperation to win. There wasn't the, the sacking of coaches that I see now in county cricket. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a broadcaster. I don't do a great deal of county cricket, but I'm always amazed that I hear, you know, that county coaches are about to be sacked because they've lost a few games of cricket. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, back in my time, that was never, ever mentioned. Yeah. You know, basically, Badgett, he had, a, he had a job for life, Dougie boy. Great coach <laughs> as he was, but... You know, I think you've clearly got to make the most of your opportunity when you get it, and I did. You know, and as soon as I got into the international game, I've always been honest about it. I felt more comfortable playing international cricket than I did county cricket. Mm. You know, the day-to-day toil, some of the pitches. Uh, I sometimes think batting in county cricket is harder than Test match cricket if you've got a game like mine. You know, I'm a back-footed player. Uh, I like the ball to come. Don't mind the bounce. Can play the paces all right. Uh, and in county cricket, the, the dibbly dobblies, the brezzes. You know, yourself. Richie, Dimi Mascarenas, those kind of dollars. You have me out for, you know, for fun. You have the keeper stood up and you have a driver on short extra cover, short mid-wicket, yeah. little wobble either way. Like, Pato would get me out all day long. I'm going to try and launch him over the stands a few times, but he'd get me out all day long. And, you know, some people are accustomed to playing, you know, test match cricket with bigger crowds. Uh, you know, you have two or three days of preparation in the net got a slight issue as a player you know you've got hundreds of bowlers that can bowl to you you've got at these days 55 coaches that can throw balls to you yeah. so as long as you can cope with the pressure of the media the spotlight being on the cameras all the time uh, I, I honestly sometimes think international cricket if you can get over that mental hurdle of what it is 
it, it can be easier than, te- than uh, county cricket. And, and that's not diminishing test match cricket. I really do believe if you can cope with the pressure of it and what it is, it can be the easiest place to play. Not for a bowler, mate. <laughs> Just throw my two. No, no, not for you guys. I mean, there's a few people. Well, I'm not so bad here with a Duke ball. Sometimes with that Cookerborough ball, no, I'm not so sure that you're going to get much value out of that. But, you know, as a batsman, certainly, I, I really do think Test Match cricket is the place to be. Uh, if you've got anything about you and you've got a game on you, you can play front foot, back foot, and you don't mind bouncers. You know, I'd rather that um, than playing some of the county. Yeah. I, must, I went to the county cricket last year and I thought the wickets yeah. were appalling. You know, yeah, I, watch, that, I watched it all terrible pitches. Well, no, I, that's, I, I, I want to be a young player coming through on some of those wickets. No, and it, it changed when the promotion relegation came in. That there's so much emphasis on promotion relegation that teams are producing pitches to for results. You know, yeah. and most most championship games now are done in three days. And you know, at Headingley, if you if you bat first at Headingley and you get over anything over 200, you're in the game. And to produce yeah. to produce young batters with you know with stats like that. It's, you know, it's it's tough. You know, and that's why you, you top young batters like Rooty. They get they have a one year with in county cricket and they're they're off. Uh, they they learn the game in, in Test cricket now because you know you can't learn your game in county cricket like you used to be able to. I mean, I mean, again, how the games changed back in the nineties. We travelled, you know, playing at Middlesbrough, uh, Sheffield, obviously Harrogate. Played a few games at Harrogate, Scarborough. We we didn't play that much at Headingley, and the pitches yeah. back in the nineties at Headingley were very much up and down, and you kind of. You fought like buggery to try and get a few at Headley if you could, but you knew that as soon as you got to Scarborough, it was your, your opportunity as a batsman. You know, you had to mm. cash in at Scarborough. Middlesbrough first innings, you could cash in. Sheffield first innings, Harrogate first innings. But, you know, the majority of those club ground second innings, it became very, very tricky. So I, I guess that makes you a, a more mentally all-round player because you're having to cope with different kind of um, conditions all the time. But, you know... I've always said this. My my game was was purely suited to the the, the longer format, the, the the kind of bigger the arena, the better I was. I used to love the crowd. I used to love, you know, going back to Yorkshire and playing in a semi final. I always produced something because I, I just like that that vibe. I, I was I don't know why it isn't. And you'll be scratching your head as a coach, Rich. And I used to scratch my head, and that's why my hair fell out. Uh, why I sometimes couldn't get up for those placid days. Yeah. You know, if there was anything on it, I was on it. But I, I did find it difficult sometimes on the toil of county cricket, those placid days when there wasn't a great deal on it. Uh, I, 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 for whatever reason, I wish I had the answer. And, and at 46 years of age, I'm, I'm, I'm wiser and probably better to kind of answer it now. But back in the day, I just couldn't have an answer why I couldn't get myself up to some of those days. Mm. Just uh, leads us nicely into actually the next sort of topic we want to talk about. Sort of talking about when, it, when there's something on it. Uh, so 2005 Ashes, obviously famous for it. Such a big series in so many ways, but sort of changing the the mentality of English cricket, like attacking the Aussies. You know, all the cricket that everyone's playing now is pretty much it spawned or stemmed from that that period. Um, you must look back on that with a with a certain amount of pride as as the sort of you know the promoter or, or ringleader of such you know the the attacking sort of form of English cricket. Yeah, I mean. Brez, we had to. It, it, it wasn't rocket science. And, and I, I certainly don't look at myself as any kind of wizard. There was only one way to play against the Australian side, and that was to be aggressive. You know, they were, over the period leading into 05, scoring at 3.64 runs and over. I'm getting all data stat-driven now, but this is exactly what was happening back then. And over the three years pre, prior to 2003, we were scoring at about 2.45. So 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realise that we had to be a bit more aggressive with the bat and take a few more risks. McGrath and Warren had had the wool over England for many, many Ashes series. They were obviously legends of the game, but I've always been a big believer is that it's, it's humans against humans. And, you know, what we tried to achieve with the team was a younger team that didn't have any baggage, that didn't have any scars from previous Ashes series. So when you think of our last selection, you know, it was Ian Bell or, or well, Peterson was always going to play. People talk about Peterson getting selected the last player, but he wasn't. He was always going to play because of the way that he played. Uh, Bell got picked ahead of um, Graham Thorpe. You know, Thorpe, who was a legend in my eyes, but he had a little bit of a dodgy back. And, you know, we, we, we talked to him long and hard of, of whether he was right. I think he would have had a go at it. But in the back of my mind, I always wanted a team that didn't have any baggage. I wanted to have a young set of players that, you know, if it went wrong, which it did in the first game, you know, we could look them in the eyes and say, you know, that doesn't matter. As much as we all know it, it does. You know, if you've got senior players that have been there and done that and been 1-0 down before, I'm not too sure whether we'd have been able to bounce back. So, you know, sometimes in sport, and again, Brez, you know this more than most, it's good to not have so many brain cells in the dressing room so you can con them into believing that something's not just happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, arriving at Edgebaston 1-0 and both played like, well, they played terribly at Lords apart from Peterson. You know, I could kind of stand there and con them into thinking that that was a blip. You know, we'll go out and be more aggressive. Uh, you need luck, though. You know, in all series, McGrath going down on the morning of Edgebast in the second test, Ricky Ponting deciding to bowl, you know, that's out of my control. But I guess yeah. you've got to make the most of it. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those periods that it was worth English cricket. And, and I was the fortunate captain to be in charge to go in a different direction and try and take the Aussies on a different game to potentially what they'd seen in 2001, 2002, 98-99. I think it was 95-96. You know, it was worth us having a go. And, and, and I was willing as a captain to get hammered. You know, I was willing as a captain to take risks. Uh, and I guess that would be my, my, my greatest strength is just allowing players to play. You know, I just wanted players to enjoy playing. You know, do the preparation, work hard. But when it comes to that critical Thursday morning, just enjoy playing. You know, and look them in the eyes. And if you feel you can whack it out of the ground, just, just buy into it and whack it out of the ground. If you get out, who cares? And when you've got the ball in hand, you know, or just try and create skill. Try and create skill and, and make sure that you're not, you know, one of the messages that we, we all try to say to all the players, look, try not to bowl to Matthew Hayden or Justin Langley, just deliver the skill. Mm. You know, don't always bowl to Ricky Pont. And if, if you can, shut your eyes and just bowl that ball outside off stump full of length. Because sometimes, you know, I've been there as a young batsman and you look at the bowler coming in, you, you know, I remember facing Kirtley Ambrose as an 18-year-old and petrified because Kirtley Ambrose, the name. But actually, what came out of his hand at Luton was just, at the time, he wasn't charging it. It was 80-odd miles an hour, just a little bit of outswing. But if, yeah. it, if, if it wasn't Curly, if that was, you know, Steve Pattinson, I'd have been going, oh, that's fine. But it wasn't. It's Curly Ambrose. So you can psychologically get affected by it as a player. And that's all we tried to be as a team in 05, a team that wasn't petrified of the names. Uh, try to get players enjoying it, having a go, and, and using their skill and their flamboyancy. But I, I, what I will say, Brez, is I think, it's not always the right way to play. You know, I think Rooty now has found a way in Test cricket to play with his winning South Africa, which is a bit old school because that's the right way to play the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. I really do think that there's a lot of teams that look at that great Australian side or look at a flamboyant team and go, that's where we want to play where. You're actually bringing, particularly in the, the longer format of the game, you're bringing the opposition into the game by playing so aggressively and so riskily. You don't need to. 80% of the time, it's rock-solid disciplined cricket that wins you the longer format. In one-day cricket, take as many risks as you can. And it's those that have got the, the most fearless message around their group that don't care if players 
get out playing big shots, silly shots. It doesn't matter in one-day cricket. You've got to be able to take those risks and be able to deliver those skillful balls at the right time. But in four-day cricket, I'm, I'm sorry, boring works. Boring yeah, discipline. Yeah. I think England. I think England at the now. minute. I think England at the minute have got the balance uh, quite well. Like they do it quite well against different opposition. I think they obviously pick the opposition where they have to dominate, and then they pick the opposition that they can play the waiting game with. Uh, and I think they they have got that balance and they do it quite well. I think Root is quite astute, and obviously the stats. I, I disagree the stats there, Brez. Guys do that. I, I, Reza, I, I, th- I thought you might have disagreed. I thought you might have disagreed before now. Something I said, to no, be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, don't. I think in Test cricket, it's just come. And I think the penny dropped against Australia last summer where they, 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 you know, they had Jason Roy at the top of the order and he was flamboyant. And all of a sudden, he was going out playing big shots. Love him in one-day cricket. Like the fact that they took a risk in Test cricket. But he would have to have changed. You can't just go out playing big drives to Pat Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark. You know, they're just too good. And you're almost giving them the opportunity of having your 30 for three all the time. You know, and I felt that the penny dropped at Headley. Obviously, it was a great innings by Ben Stokes. And England fought in the last two games. They won at the Oval, but they lost in terms of the Ashes going down under. They then went to New Zealand and lost the series. But I, I was impressed with the way that they tried to play. But they, they lost to a decent New Zealand team. And in South Africa, lose that first test. They had a lot of illness. Probably could have done with batting first, but they didn't. Uh, and, and then played great for the remaining three tests by playing good, solid test match cricket. And over the last four or five years in Tesco cricket, I think they'll be the first to admit they haven't played that disciplined cricket that we're talking about. In white ball cricket, well, I've said for a long time, this is the best white ball group that I've ever seen. And that was back in 2017, I think I said it. Just the way that they play, the, the amount of depth they've got, the skill level, the fielding, the agility, power, they've got absolutely everything. They're a tremendous team to watch. But I do think the Tesco team have finally had that penny that's dropped and, and I do think over the course of the next couple of years they will get themselves in a position to be more competitive down under. I mean your team in 10-11 Brez, that's what they've got to try and aspire to be like and the way that you won over there is because you had batsmen that batted for long long periods of time and you had a bowling unit that had skill and discipline now you're not going to go to Australia and, and bruise them, you're not You're not going to outbash them over there, you're going to have to play with great discipline and skill and the batsmen are going to have to learn how to bat 140 overs in the first innings. You're not winning in Aussie batting 80 overs in the first innings. Just not no, going correct. to get enough on the board. Uh, and I do think with the, the team, I think it's more the team that they're picking now in terms of more test match specialists. That top three looks like a test match top three. And I think it'll serve them a lot better than, you know, in the last couple of years they have picked. A bit like the reverse from my time where we used to pick players in the test team for anyone that did well in white ball. Uh, sorry, players that were playing well in test cricket went into the white ball team and that's been a similar thing in the last couple of years you do well in white ball cricket you get a go in the test team I think now they've got in it right that there's white ball players that stay to the left and there's a few red ball players that are just purely red ball players Chris has got a question for you we're done with cricket looking forward to this Brez we've got, we've got people's Twitter cues to be fair Oh, yeah, we've got uh, some questions. We've got some questions from everyone else. But uh, I've got a question. Something I've always wanted to know, to be honest. So why is one of your nicknames Virgil? Is it because uh, yeah. you look like <laughs> Thunderbird Virgil Tracy and move <laughs> like a Thunderbird? Or is it because as you were a sexually late bloomer and everyone called you Virgin? <laughs> or, you know, or is it a total you- smokescreen? Brez, you know me too well. It's not the second one, is it? Um, it was, uh, I can't remember. I, I must have been 15, 16, making my, one of my first second team 
games in Bradley Parker. He thought I strolled off the pitch one day like Virgil out of the Virgil Thunderbirds. Trip, and, right, it, right. It, 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 you know, things stick, don't they? And then Paul Grayson, he's, he's back coaching at the Yorkies, and he, he, he kind of likes it, so he kind of jumps on the bandwagon. Then there was Simon Kellett. He jumped on the bandwagon. There was loads of them around that time. Ashley Metcalf. Yeah. He jumped onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Then, it, then in the first team, I was in the first team a couple of times before I played like as a squad member. And they all seemed to like it as well. It made them chuckle. So it stuck. Oh. <laughs> well, did, were you actually thinking it was, did you think it was the second one, Brad? Do you know what? I've heard, I've heard rumours. I've heard tell. Um, <laughs> it was. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard something else as well. That it's a total smokescreen for something else. So I heard the Thunderbird, the Thunderbird on, reference, which I could actually think, nice. No, yeah. Um, well, you got to say it. What is it? What's the other reference? I'll have to tell you off air, mate. Nah, it's, come on. Uh, it, we're, we've got a rating of, uh, what is it? P, we're Peggy, we're Peggy Seven. <laughs> Can't be telling stories like that. On You've the, bottled on the it, off. <laughs> You've bottled it. You've <laughs> <laughs> bottled it. There's no one anyway. listening anyway, Brez, so you're all right. Well, to be honest, there's there's about forty thousand of them, so we're doing all right, mate. We're better. We're actually we're chatting better than Tougher Than Bomb podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to beat that. We've only been going twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Should we get on to some Twitter questions? Let's do that. Right, V, we put some, we put it out on Twitter. We've got a few questions for you from uh, from from the Yorkshire supporters. Some good uh, this ones one's, as well. This one's, first one's from Matt. Of your test hundreds, which one means the most to you and why? Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, anything against Australia always counts for a lot. I actually got one at Headingley against the West Indies. I had a broken finger. Shouldn't have played. Uh, I'd been out with a knee for fourteen months. First test back at um, at Lords. Uh, broke my finger, couldn't play. Went, they drew at Lords. Went to Headingley, home ground. Uh, Peter Moores was the coach, and I just said to Pete, "I'm playing. You know, get it injected, whatever. I, I, I just want to play." And I remember tossing up, absolutely shaking like a leaf because my, my finger was killing. I was thinking I should be playing, but I had to. Uh, felt a bit selfish at the time. Went out there, didn't know at the time because I, I wasn't reading any of the, the papers because they were into me at that moment, which is part of the, the job, if you like. Um, Managed to score 100, didn't play great. I aged them all over the place, had a bit of fortune, got 100. I remember sitting on the balcony after and got 100 and got all the papers out and all the headlines were about fortune <laughs> playing is useless. <laughs> I thought, oh, thankfully, thankfully, I didn't read them before I went out to bat. But um, it wasn't my best in terms of the quality of the opposition, but in terms of mentally, uh, I was nowhere but managed to just, just get three figures somehow at, at Headingley on a sunny day. So I, I do put that up there as, as one of my best. So uh, we've got another one from Joseph. Uh, he wants Joseph Root. It's, uh, it might be Joseph Root, to be fair. Uh, it just says Joseph. I mean, Kate's written <laughs> down these questions. We usually put full names and, ha- and, uh, and handles as well. But The, the question, it could, it could be from Joseph, Joseph Root. Uh, from Rooty. Yeah, it could yeah be. it's yeah, a good Root. question. So how much effect does the burden of captaincy have on your batting performance? Ooh, Joseph Root. Root. Yeah, Root. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll be honest, at the start, a lot. Um, my mind was all over the place when I first got the job. Bearing in mind, I got the job on the Monday. NASA retired on the Monday morning, the last te- uh, day of the test at Edgebaston, and we're starting again on the Thursday. So I had three days to get my mind on actually being the England captain. So, yeah, for the first, that first series, I was all over the hockey because 
you know, clearly I didn't expect it. Uh, then there's obviously pressure. There's more press conferences. Uh, realised that the team needed to go in a different direction. Knew I had some quite characters in the group. Uh, Darren Goff was obviously in the team. That I always remember my first game in charge at Lords. We were bought out for 180. And seven of us were out playing the pull shot. And all the media wrote that I obviously, as a captain, went in and said, everyone's got to try and take on the short stuff because it was one of my favourite shots. I'd not said anything, but we all got out playing it. Um, within five overs being out, I mean, that's his playing, but he's not the captain. He drops Graham Smith on five, I think, at cover point, a goober. He gets a double century. Uh, Goffey, after his fourth over, strolls up to me and goes, that's me done. I've retired. I thought, it's like Smith is on about 25 and Goffey's retired. Nasser's sulking, he's dropped him on five. And then after about 30 hours, I always remember it, I've got my brimmer on, Oakley glasses, and Alex Stewart's behind the stumps and he comes up to me and he says, uh, Skipper, uh, I've got a double vision, I'm going to have to go off. And I've got Stewart, you can't go off, you're my keeper. You cannot go off. He says, Skip, I'm going to have to go off. So he walks off and I'm looking around going, well, who's going to take the gloves? And guess who takes the gloves? Anthony, Anthony McGrath. McGrath. Bags. Anthony <laughs> we spoke, we McGrath. We spoke to him about pigeon. it. We spoke to him about it. And Goffey runs up, beats the outside edge of Hersel Gibbs. And Anthony McGrath, he's just stood behind like a clubby upright. He's not even <laughs> bent down. And the ball just flies past his right shoulder. ball by his first ball. I'm at mid-on. I've got tears coming down my face, crying with laughter. <laughs> what, what is going on here? We've got bowled out for 180. Smith's flying them all over the place. Stewie's in the dressing room. Goffey's retired. Nasser's sulking. We got absolutely hammered. But what happened? Freddie, Freddie played nicely. Uh, Freddie might have got, he might have got 100 or he got a quick 80. And that was the moment I realised as a captain, I had a special all-rounder. You know, and I realised that he needed extra treatment to make sure that we could get him playing to that level on a, on a more regular basis. Mm. His bowling just needed to be a bit straighter, a bit fuller, a bit more aggressive in terms of going for the stump more often. With the bat, we had to just free him up to just be more aggressive and, and, and allow him to make mistakes. So as much as we lost, I saw Harmison coming through. Simon Jones had been mentioned. Hoggy was bowling nicely. There was a bit of me really excited about the fact that this new generation was coming through. Triscothic was in the team playing great. Uh, Straussy was on the wings, you know, Collingwood was around the group as well. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, it, it's not all doom and gloom because, you know, that, that process of trying to get to 05 with a younger, fresher team, which we set out pretty much from day one uh, in 2003. As much as I knew I had tough conversations to have with a lot of the senior players, um, I did realise that it was enough in terms of younger players with skill and, and the right mentality that we could produce a decent side. So, all doom and gloom to start with. Good. Um, this next one's from David. Do you regret retiring from playing at such a relatively young age? Even though you had dodgy knees, didn't you, V? No. No, I was knackered. I was knackered. I was, uh, my knee was gone. I mean, I literally can't run now. I have to go on a bike. I, I can't. If I went and did any kind of running, I'd just be on the physio bed for about a week. I remember my last game, um, four-day game at Worcester, and it's a true story. I was in the field. The US Open golf was on. And I kept on nipping off to watch the golf. And I was sat on the physio bed pretending to ice my knee. And I was watching the golf, icing my knee. And I always remember the phone call came through to, to Fizz. And it was from the second team. And Ruti and, and Johnny Bairstow had got hundreds again. And I listened and I said to Fizz, what's going on? And he said, oh, you know, Ruti and Johnny have got another hundred. And I went, that's me done. You know, I, I just sat there and thought, what am I doing watching the golf? Icing my knee, not playing anywhere near the standard I should. Not practicing anywhere near the the amount of time I should be. My mind had kind of triggered on to going to different kind of uh, positions in my life. 
and I wanted the younger players in the side. I, I always remember when I was 18, I got given a great chance. You know, Martin Moxon was, was so good to me, Dougie Padgett, Steve Oldham. And I remember thinking on that Fizz bed. I mean, Fizz thought I was taking the piss, by the way, when I said, that's me done. But I actually won. It just, it just hit home that when you get to a senior stage and there's younger players that should be in the side. And, you know, I, I look back and thought, God, I've had 18 years playing the game. been so lucky. You know, I was never going to get back in the England team with the way that my body was, the way that my mind was. Uh, I, I just thought it was the right time to disappear. I had to go to Leicester for a T20 game and get abused on, on the boundary for one more time. <laughs> that was the end of me in four-day cricket. And a few days later, we announced that it was the end of uh, my career. But, you know, I think you, you all want a fairy tale. And that, you know, I guess you want to have that moment of waving to everyone. But, you know, that's, that, that's, that's only a small few that get that great opportunity. And, yeah. You know, when I think back and think, God, I, I pretty much never got dropped that often. You know, I certainly never got dropped from the England side. Uh, and I managed to leave the game on my own terms. Um, you know, I, I'm very lucky to be in that position. Go on, Brezzi. you soon, by the way, Brezzi. Have you seen <laughs> any physio beds? There's a lot of young lads in that, in that squad. <laughs> Do you know what, mate? Oh, I'm, not a, I'm fit and firing and ready to go this year. I've just had Good. nearly eight. I've just had nearly eighteen months off. Yeah. Do you know what, Brezzy? I'll give you some advice. If you've still got the, if you've still got the fire in your belly, and you've still got petrol in your tank, carry on. Seriously, yeah. I'm being That's serious now. Don't just carry on. Play as long as you can. I, my mind had gone. It doesn't necessarily mean that other people's minds will have gone out earlier. I'd had enough. What if you've got it in your me? belly and you want to play on, play on. Am I going to stroll straight into a career presenting or strictly come dancing or? Like, like TMS or whatever. Nah, man. Get on it, yeah. Yeah, come on. There'll be plenty of chance for you to come and talk some nonsense like us. It's uh, it's good fun. Could be uh, could yeah. be the new Jeffrey Brez. Could yeah, be. Yeah, there's a chance there. They're after a New Yorkie that uh, speaks his mind. You're a bit. Shorty. Yeah, Shorty. I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit worried that you're a bit uh, cheerleader like saying the England team are decent when the Test team have been pretty average for about three years. That's a bit concerning. Jeffrey won't be happy with that, Timothy. They've just beaten uh, South Africa in South Africa, mate. You can only judge them on the last performance, can't you? Yeah, but Brez doesn't watch cricket. He doesn't know what's going on. So he yeah. just thinks, yeah, that, do you know what? That is true. That's a concern. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you, that, that's a slight concern, Timothy. I only read what you, you put in paper. Be. Yeah, that's a concern as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, let's see if Vaughn is slagging me off again. Yeah, he's like the, you like the, you like the Piers Morgan of uh, Telegraph. Like, right, well, I, don't, I don't slag you off. You, you've not been in the England team for about 55 years. You've not been around. <laughs> have, Brez, Tim Bresnan's not going to sell any copies, is he? You've gone now. You've slagged me <laughs> off nine times during this podcast, mate. <laughs> anyway, next question. James Burton, what's your favourite cricketing moment on and off the pitch? On and off? Um, oh, well, winning the Ashes is the, is the best moment in, in terms of, for England, winning the championship with Yorkies in 201. Uh, that was great. Uh, such a lot. I, I thought in the 90s we, sh we should have won loads of trophies we got yeah. to that many semi-finals we had a decent side we should have won lots and lots but we just couldn't get over the line uh, to get over the line eventually you know one was great I don't know I mean I think we're all lucky we've you know I've played for England and Yorkshire I don't, I don't think it gets any better than that you know I'm not just saying it you, you look back and I think God I played cricket from the age of 16 right through to 35 uh, travelled the world made a load of good pals I'm still involved in the game, you know. As as life goes, I'm bloody lucky. So you're living the dream now. Looking at your Instagram, which you know occasionally I do. I bet you look at my stories. pizza oven, don't you? 
You, I you do, yeah. Pizza I want a pizza like oven, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Do you know that full English you do? Like, oh, yeah, go on. A bit of that. So you, what what you does everyone else that? eat? What does everyone else right. eat? Right. Well, so I don't probably don't. I just have that. Full tray in the oven, you just lob it all in, throw it in, yeah. no matter what's in it, yeah. throw it in there. Because he's drooling now. I do Yorkshire puddings in there as well, first time. That's what lockdown's taught me. It's taught me I had a lawn, um, mow my lawn. not done that since uh, I was 15 with a fly mow. I've got uh, one of those nice mowers. So that's the first time I've done that. And uh, learned how to do Yorkshire puddings in the pizza oven. Yeah. Positive and everything, isn't there? Is it hot? We've actually got a question, Vaughn, from uh, somebody. Louis says, does Vaughn ever eat food that he doesn't cook in his pizza oven? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. I do, I do, but not much, not much. Trump takeaway. My breakfast, my Sunday roast, pizzas, uh, I do dough balls in there now. What else do I do? I did a cake the other day, but I didn't show you that because it was useless. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a number of things I do in there that I don't show you all because they don't come out well. <laughs> uh, anyway, you mentioned it before, lucky enough to play for Yorkshire in England, but you were born in Manchester. Uh, and David yeah. Utter wants to know, which rose actually are you? <laughs> oh, Dave, come on. Let's be fair. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, on it. I, I'm born here in Manchester, but my, my cricket is all white. It's never been anything oh. other. I, I've known nothing but white rose in terms of my cricket. Never Great ever answer. have I ever considered. Great answer. Great answer. I got asked to play for Langs. They wanted to sign me when I was 21, 25. Like we all do, we go to the chief exec and you kind of say, I've got another club interest in me. Can you give me a few more quid? We've all done it. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I never do it every year, mate. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every three months you do it, Brezzy. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's why we see you. But no, I, no, I never watched it. If Yorkshire, uh, it's a great place to play cricket. Good. Right. Uh, last um, question, V from Twitter. Asking why, this is from Ricky Stepton. Ask him why he switched supporting Sheffield clubs a few years ago. He's talking absolute <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Ricky Sefton. Ricky Sefton. I get it all the time. I saw you had a season ticket at Bramalaya Severson. No, I didn't. Never had a season ticket. But, you know, there are friends that play for opposing Premier League sides when United were in the Premier League that I used to go and watch. You do like a freebie though, V, don't you? So you probably yeah, just went on a freebie then. Yeah, yeah just went in a freebie, nicked all their booze, had a few of their sandwiches and went home. There's no smoke. I watched a bit though, of the Premier League. I actually went once um, when Mourinho was at Chelsea, uh, and he, you know when he was first at Chelsea, and he was like a guru. One, he came over, he was unbelievable, Mourinho. And I went to Bramall Lane to sit in the the director's box just to study Mourinho. I wanted you to study him on the line to see how he acted because I was into that that leadership stuff at the time. I thought I'm going to study. I got pelters then. I mean, I, I was actually going to study Mourinho. <laughs> it was shit about the blades, to be honest. <laughs> but my mate's the manager. Wilder's a good pal of mine. He has been right through the night. He's a massive Yorkie fan. He used to go and watch us um, in the 90s at Scarborough, Headingley, travel all over the place with his pals watching us play cricket. So as much as I, 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 I've always wanted him to lose, um, seeing him do so well and seeing him achieve so much as a Sheffield lad, it's uh, even even most Wednesdayites will, will look themselves in the mirror, mirror and, and, and kind of be honest with themselves to say they don't mind seeing Chris Wilder do so well because he's a, a local bloke, done great, uh, does it the right way, great spirit. Uh, and Sheffield Wednesday should actually take a leaf out of what he's done and try and copy some of it. Did, uh, did it that, I've, it's I've, true. I've actually got an interesting story about Dean Wilder and, uh, and our head coach, which yeah, I was going to serve you one of the most story. awkwardest things I've ever seen in my life. So, obviously, Dean Wilder's coach of the Blades, and it's before they got promotion. 
You sure it's not Chris Wilder, Braz? Yeah, Chris Wilder. That's what I said, isn't it? Yeah, not not Dean. Dean, 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 Dean. I was thinking of Dean Windass. Similar sort of shape, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) To you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're at this quiz, 150th of Bramall Lane, and um, we we get ushered into this room and we're like, kind of plays and we have a few drinks and stuff and we get to meet the opposing team and uh, Wilder's on, on their team and me, Gailey and a few others are on our team Dickie Bird and stuff and they've got a few players on theirs and we're just chatting stuff and Gailey asks him he goes oh so um, you know it's, it's great that you're still involved like you know do you, do you get down and watch a bit he went yeah no I get I get, I get down and watch got, watch plenty mate he goes oh right okay oh you, you got a decent seat you got a season ticket You got they give you a decent seat he went yeah they let me sit on bench he went Oh, that's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Didn't have a clue who he was. And he goes, <laughs> after he walked away in the conversation, I think it was Jared Warner. He goes, mate, what are you doing? He goes, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, he said, he's manager, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else knew. And Gailey just stopped his shopping. It was brilliant. Oh, dear. And he's a football fan as well, Gailey, isn't he? Yeah. I know. And they were Div 1 as well, same. Sorry, championship. They were championship at yeah. the time. Same as, same Poor form, time. that. That's a schoolboy error, that. Yeah, loved it though. Oh, All lads loved it. Anyway, right, we've got, uh, we've got to move on. Otherwise, this is going to be a two-hour episode because, Jesus Christ, you love sounding your own voice, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, covers off quick fire V. These are quick fire questions. So first thing that comes into your head um, rather than you know the 79th uh, and you start them first. So earliest cricket in memory. Uh, playing in the garden with brother. Cricketing hero. Alan Lamb. Professional debut. Old Trafford, 94. Best game that you've ever played in. Edge Baston, 05. Good shot. Favourite ground in the world to play in? Uh, Sydney. Oh, I thought that was going to be a Scarborough then. Um, it was going to be Scarborough for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody to bat for your life. Boycott. Messiest in the dressing room. Hoggard. Uh, who's the vainest cricketer you've ever come across? Siddy. Uh, side bottom. Yeah. Yeah, a few have said Sid. Popular, popular answer yeah, that. Popular answer, yeah. Yeah, yeah Sid. Uh, best celebration or party after a game or series? Got to be 05. 05. 05, yeah, sure. yeah. Good swill, that. Yeah, but messy. Um, <laughs> three people living or dead to have dinner with. Three people. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, Georgie Best. Yeah. And I'm saying I'm going to just mix in a bit of Gaza there as well. Paul Gascoigne. Oh, messy. You kind of get my drift. You get you get the drift where I'm <laughs> yeah. coming from there, don't you? Yeah. That's pizza. <laughs> oven and, Ky- yeah. Can, can I have four? Can I have Kylie as well? <laughs> no, you can have Danny though if you want. Met Danny last, <laughs> last winter. Nice chap. <laughs> nice chap. <laughs> Danny, isn't it? <laughs> um, where are we here? We've gone. Pick your best six-a-side cream, cricket side team that you've played with. Oof. Flintoff, Peterson, Triscothic, Lehman, uh, Armisen. Short, short and ball in there, lad. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Oggy. Oggy was a, he's oh. a workhorse for me, Ogster. Right, he never yeah. let me down, the Hoggy. Right, V. Our favourite part of the pod. I don't know if you've listened to our pod before, but if not, you should have. We I haven't actually, but you know. Well, I will do from now. You need to catch up, V. about it. So, yeah. we ask you to name 
all of Pato's nicknames in 30 seconds. Oh, as many Pato nicknames as you as can. As many as you can. Seconds. So, Anthony McGrath in 30 seconds named 25 Steve Patterson nicknames. Oh, I've got no chance. I've got no Rich, chance. Richard Dams is the lowest with two. So, I'm oh, backing you to beat that. two. Well, we know, so, we know you've obviously, you played with him a little bit, but not as much yeah. as some of the lads that we've had on so far. So, we'll cut you, cut you a little bit of slack. How about we 45 seconds? We allow made-up nicknames as well. Yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Brez, yeah. have you got your stopwatch? I've got the watch out, yeah. Right, V. Three, so, two, one. Uh, Pato. Pato. Steve-O. Dead. Ghost. Boring. Mule. Uh, donkey. Cart horse. Parachute. Uh, skipper. <laughs> Ten uh, seconds. Uh, 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 what? Uh, I'm, 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 how did he get 25, McGrath? Uh, made them all up, that's oh, why. Boring, have I said that yet? Dull. Yeah, you're out. That's Dish it, you're out of time. Uh, out did time. he? Yeah. Ten. Ten V, that's what not bad. What are you calling him these days? Uh, what are you calling him these days? Just dead. Sally Webster. Still dead. Gail Platt. <laughs> Gail Platt, <laughs> Sally Webster. Luke Chadwick. Luke Chadwick. <laughs> he was on Sally the other day, one of the four bugger. Donald Trump. Donald. I reckon he's got, he must have close to 75 nicknames, I reckon. And there might be even be a few more on top of that. Um, is he still a, is he still the skipper? Yeah. <laughs> still going, is he? He's yeah. our leader. He's our leader. Really? Right, well, no, just... no, we got we got appraisals on Monday. Pray for pray for Pato and Brez, I think. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. You might be ringing me Tuesday for a job. <laughs> Maybe. Right, V, before we finish, um, have you got any, any stories from your England time or playing county cricket? You know, from the dressing rooms, pranks, stuff like that. Oh, I don't know. What did McGrath say about that snipper? Mm, he's, he's mentioned your name. What? He's, he's accused me, has he? Did he just uh, say East? Not so much did accused. Did he say you about Eastbourne? Did he say you about no. Eastbourne? That was no. the best, oh, the best yes. strike of the snipper. In the... In all, that Sorry. was the best ever, that. Are you talking about in the, when Dave Bias delayed the game? Is it that one? Yeah, so we, 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 were, we were, it was the end of the, the four-day game on a Saturday and they were chasing 280. I think they were seven down for 120, so we're winning. So the snipper, and there was one of those uh, dress rooms kind of adjoining their dress room, so it was a clubby ground, and interjoining showers. So I think the snipper thought, great chance here, you know, to snip. Snip the skipper, bias. And, and Bevan, Michael Bevan, snip his socks because we're obviously going to win anyway we lost dropped about 15 catches carnage <laughs> skippers charged into the dress room we didn't want to say anything because they could hear everything he just got his kit straight off in the shower come out of the shower all set <laughs> he's got to put his socks on <laughs> <laughs> straight through there's a few eyes in the dress room he's gone nuts and then bevan he's kicked everyone he's thrown everything he's effed and blind at everyone showers and he, he's done the same and they both left in an, in an absolute huff Went to warm up the next day for the Sunday League and bingo, just sat us all down and said, right, we ain't warming up until someone admits to who snipped my socks and Bebo's socks. We didn't warm up for the game. (laughs) 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 And he he blamed me and Mags. And the week after at Scarborough, uh, they told us that the warm-up was at 9.45. 
and me and Mags were rooming and we strolled through the gates at Scarborough at half nine and all the team are warming up. And we were like, well, we've been told 9.45, we'll take our time. So we went in the dressing room, came out at 20 to 10 with our kit ready to warm up. He went absolutely nuts. The senior pros had stuffed us out of sight. He made me and Mags in front of all the fans at Scarborough do four laps in front of them. And everyone knew what was happening. Made us do 50 press-ups, 50 burpees. It was before a It's like being sent to the headmaster's room. It was hilarious. And we'd not even done it. It wasn't even us. So I don't know who's We involved. We were around for the snipper, Brezzy. You could have been yeah. the snipper. No, it's, still go, it's still going, V. Well, it's, a, it's a long, long, long live the snipper. Well, long we've had live. we've had some senior players on this on this pod, V. So we've had Mags, Woody. They've, they've both admitted that they've at least snipped one person. So it's your time now, V. Can you admit that you've snipped at least one person in your time? Yeah, I've done one, yeah. I've done one. Who, Who did you it? do? Yeah, I think it might have been Mags. Did Mags tell you the story about him batting at, at, um, at Aberdale? No. In the days we used to play, uh, so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We travelled to Leicester on the Sunday for the Sunday, back to Aberdale for the Monday. And uh, him and Al Morris had been having a set too. And I think he'd snipped Al's new watch, the strap. So Al wanted to get his, uh, he wanted to get his comeback. So my brother was living in Sheffield and he goes to my brother and said, look, get to the fishmonger and get me a massive piece of fish. So we're going, what so just get me a big piece of fish. So the Saturday finishes, we're going to Leicester in the cars to play the Sunday League to come back to Sheffield on the Sunday night. And it was boiling up. So my brother gives Alec Morris a, a piece of fish, big fish with a head on and stuff. And my brother didn't have a clue what he was doing with it. Anyway, Al's gone in the dressing room and he's put it inside Mags' pad and then shut his coffin lid. Bearing in mind, we're going to Leicester playing in whatever the colour was at the time, so he wasn't taking his white pads. Those pads with the fishing was probably, for what we're talking, seven o'clock on the Saturday night and Mags opened his coffin lid on the Monday morning at nine o'clock. You can imagine the reek. <laughs> you can imagine the reek in that dressing room. Well, bingo bias went out. <laughs> <laughs> bias, bias had a lot to cope with in those days. <laughs> it was maggots everywhere. <laughs> oh god! Oh. He did tell us that do. story. Actually, he did. He did say say oh. that when he was on the grip. Did he say about when he put a load of apples in some? I can't remember whose car it was. He, he put it, a load of apples in the car. So when they opened it, it all the apples fell out. <laughs> that, was when, uh, you, that was you in know, Scarborough. Our old physio, Scott McAllister, the most mm. neatest bloke, OCD. Mags used to just ask for a lift with him every, every morning from hotel to ground. Used to not go to breakfast, but then get two croissants and take them in his car and just eat these croissants and there'd be crumbs absolutely everywhere in his car. And Scott didn't speak to him for the rest of the day. Every, every time it happened. <laughs> Right, V, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Um, good to talk to you, cricket, and uh, you know, stories are out of the game as well. So uh, hopefully we'll be back playing soon in August and uh, hopefully you can come and see us. Um, but good to speak to you, mate, and uh, hope you stay safe. Cheers, Rich. Uh, good luck carrying the drinks, Brezzy. No worries, mate. Actually, I'll just <laughs> echo Rich's thoughts. It's been really good to listen to you over the last hour and a half. So thanks for that. <laughs> good luck on good luck on Monday, Braz. Ring me if you need anything. Might do oh, on yeah. Tuesday morning. <laughs> You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from York's Country Club. Thanks very much to Michael Vaughan there for joining us. I've been Tim Bresnan and as always Richard Pyra has been with me. And remember to subscribe to our podcast if you have if you miss any episodes, you can catch up and download them on Spotify and iTunes. See you later guys.